Thank you for tuning in to a Centerpoint Church message. Our mission is to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. We hope this message achieves that and inspires you to both grow in your faith and live it out today. Enjoy. Welcome to Centerpoint Church. My name is Aaron Master. I'm the pastor here. Our mission is to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. We do here what any good Christian church should do, which is to help you connect with God in a worshipful way and help you grow in your relationship with Him. Our style, it just might be a bit different than what you're used to, but we're still true to the Bible. We take God very seriously and want to help you and encourage you in your weekly walk with God. This week, we're continuing a newer series that we've been calling Talking Points, the perfect blend of politics and religion. Can there be such a thing? <laughs> but in this series, though, we're, we're going to look to the Bible to see how God wants us to actually address today's big talking points or controversial topics or in an even easier way to stay, the news headlines, right? The news headlines. We all see the headlines these days, and they instantly make us think something. And 99% of the time, it's polarized one direction or the other. They're always taking us to extremes, it seems, like in our emotions at least. We love it or we hate it. Well, what we're covering in this series is how in the midst of the, this polarizing time, God wants us, his people, to approach things in a particular way. And probably not in just the way you think he would want you to. Uh, like last week, we talked all about how if you're a Christian person, you should strive to be an unoffendable person. This week, we're looking to the Bible to see what it says about unity with others. When it seems like differences amongst Christians is everywhere. In Scripture, it's so obvious to see that God wants unity. And when I say unity, it's not, not being unified behind being a Republican or Democrat or pro-choice or pro-life or vaxxers or anti-vaxxers or for public school or against. It's none of those. But Scripture says this, John 13, 35. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Christians should be known and unified by their love for Jesus and others. Is that the case these days? Is that the case for you these days? I don't know about you, but for me, I would say I find myself easily known and unified with a polarized group or a particular viewpoint more than Jesus sometimes. But to say I'm unified with others purely because of because I and them show love as a Jesus follower, that's kind of hard. That's pretty hard. How about you? Are you united behind Jesus' way of love? And not just some party or viewpoint. Are you united behind Jesus? Well, that's what we're going to look at this week. And specifically, how to seek unity over uniformity. So, we're only two weeks in on this series, and I'm already, like, sweating, feeling intense, Feeling like this is just like, whew, scary topics, sweating about these things. Can we lower the heat in here? Or maybe I just got to take the sweater off. I don't know. But anyways, it's been an intense series because it's a polarizing topic. All of these things are. And before we dive into the meat of the message today, I want to just say we're tackling such charged topics. And I want to just state here at Centerpoint, we have this beautiful blend of people so different than one another. People that would say they're Democrats or Republicans or different backgrounds or races or, or ages or upbringings or past denomination experience or even generation or socioeconomic status. It's beautiful. It's so beautiful. It's a beautiful picture of what I think heaven will look like one day. 
And I want to keep that here too. So no matter what you think about me or where you think I align as we talk about these things, my goal as a pastor is not to get you to like me. It's not to get you to share my personal views as I never try to share my personal views, especially so politically. But my honest goal is to be used by God today to point you to what Scripture says about handling hot talking points and give you something each week that you can wrestle with personally on God to ensure you're living more and more like Jesus. And today it's no different as we wrestle with the topic of unity over uniformity. As I was studying this tension this week between these two things, I thought of a time in college, a time I'm like not super proud of, but there were these games in college you would play that you would have a drink to as you're playing it or vice versa. But anyways, the game was never have I ever. Has anybody heard of the game before? You guys are all like, oh, I don't know if I, I can say I know this game. Never have I ever. Well, how the game would work is a person would say they have never done a, a particular thing. And then in the group sitting there, if you've done it, you would then have to take like a finger down. You had like three fingers up. And if you did it, you had to take your finger down. And then once you were out, you were out. And the goal was to stay in the longest and get other people out by making them less like you. At least I think that was the, the case. But so I thought we'd play today. I thought we'd just take a little moment to play this game. Never have I ever. Don't worry. It's not going to be the typical college-age questions, but church-appropriate questions. Well, sort of. All right. So anyways, you can kind of just mentally calculate, or maybe you want to hold your three fingers up. I don't know. It's up to you. But how about this one? Never have I ever. So take a finger down if you've never done this, uh, or if you have done this. Uh, been pottied on by a child while changing their diaper. I never have experienced that. It's been pretty awesome. Hoping that it never happens. I've never shot a buck before. I've never shot a buck. Got a dope, never a buck. I've never jumped out of a plane before. I've never broke a bone. I've never been in a car accident. I've never peed in the pool. I've never regifted a present. I've never gotten a tattoo. Did I take some of you out? Your pastor is righteous knowing that he hasn't done any of these things, right? Or just think of all the things I have done that I can't say never to. But anyways, we're going to take it one more round. One more round of this. And these are just going to be hypothetical ones this time. These aren't my own. Um, and I, you don't have to, like, publicly share whether or not these, are, are you reply, these apply to you. But just privately reflect on these ones. Never have I ever voted red or blue. Never have I ever agreed partially or disagreed fully with the Bible. Never have I disagreed fully or partially with governmental leadership. Never have I ever been selfish about my policy choices. Never have I ever chose to kneel or not kneel during a national anthem. Never have I used the Bible to prove my point. Never have I thought that people should or should not be forced to get the vaccine or to make sure they, 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 never, they should never get divorced or never should have a choice for their body or never be welcome in a particular place. And if you've done or think differently than any of those I just listed, generally division festers. Remember, we're playing a game right now, so relax. These are hypothetical. But in this game... When you would play it with friends and others, you would see that amidst the unity of people just trying to have fun and be together, appropriate fun or not, uniformity on what people have done, wanted, thought, was inconsistent. It was inconsistent. Have you felt that way before? That there are people who like, do, think, look, process, choose differently than you. If you don't live in a box or a town of just your own city or of just your own family, 
Of course, right? Of course you've realized there's people very different than you. It's because we're all very different. We tend to have different upbringings. We have different preferences. We have different styles. We have different influences and more. And within a church, a church that is set to be more than just for a select group of people or an exclusive group of people, there will not be uniformity amongst everybody. We are going to have different styles, choices, differences, stances, and views on things. But what we should strive for is unity about some very specific things amongst us all. Before we go any further, I want to just clear the air on three words that will be used a lot in today's message uh, so that we're on the same page. The first one is this, church. Uh, what, is, what does the church really mean? Church is people who follow Jesus' ways and teachings. Believe it or not, church is not a building. It's not a museum. Uh, it's people who follow Jesus' teachings. In seminary world, like sometimes we refer to church, like when it's a capital C, like church, all Christians, all people who follow Jesus. And then there would be like a church, like who's here right now. This is a church right now. So that's church and how we'll kind of talk about it today. Then there's unity. Unity, the state of being undivided or as one. And then uniformity. Uniformity is sameness. It's having the same form, style, manner, or degree, not varying or with variable. What I'm proposing today as we discuss and look at this, at this topic is if you're a follower of Jesus or attempting to follow the Bible politically and religiously, we as a church should prioritize unity behind who Jesus is and what he stood for over requiring uniformity with all things. To show you specifically why unity should be stressed, we're going to look at John 17 today. And to give you a bit of context of John 17 before we actually read the passages, Jesus, he's created a bit of a following of himself. And he spent some time with these disciples, these people that have been following him for a long time. And he's, there's all these about nasty things that are about to happen to him. He's about to get beaten, crucified, and die. And then he'll come back to life for his people. But before this all happens, he has kind of like one last prayer to God. And that's what we're going to read about. And it's John 17, 11. It says this. And this prayer is for his disciples. He says this. I will remain in the world no longer. But they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Again, he's praying this to God the Father. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. The thing Jesus was so concerned about was his disciples' oneness. Their oneness. Not their safety, not their theological correctness, not their religious rituals, but their oneness. He says to God, let my followers be in a relationship like you and I and the Holy Spirit are in a relationship with each other. The Trinity is what we kind of talk about in the church world. Or the three parts that make up God. They are in this perfect relationship together to make up one God. Jesus says, have my followers be one like we are one. But it doesn't stop there. He takes time to pray about us too, us today. He says this. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity." Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Did you catch that at the end? He says, 
have them in unity so that so that everyone else outside of that will know me will know who I am they'll see something amazing happening it's saying you know those kind of seemingly difficult the people that kind of smell a little bit or people that kind of have that snarky look or that attitude or the weird style or the unique sayings or the harshness or the churchiness or or this choose something way different than you the people you would never expect to get along with the people you can't imagine getting along with Jesus is saying when you can be united with them others see this too and when they see this they can then know that we're followers of Jesus they can then know Jesus is real through seeing that. It will point to Jesus. This is such good stuff, right? Like, Because how often are we as Christians known for exclusion versus inclusion? Pushing people away versus pulling people in, right? It's saying, what this verse is saying is, you, a Biden, Trump, or non-voter, being united around Jesus and getting along, it shows others Jesus. You, a masker or non-masker, being united in some way around Jesus and getting along shows others Jesus. You, a, a change-fighting machine or one that wants things to stay the same, being united around some unique way shows Jesus. You, being an, uh, some type of lives matter person or one who avoids it, being united in some way around Jesus shows others Jesus. Our oneness with other Christians who are different than us shows Jesus. It shows love, which is what we started with on how we should be known, right? That verse we started with. Now, unfortunately, Jesus didn't give like a ton of like clear specific ways on how to do that. Of just, just get along with these people. It's all good. Just get along. He didn't give a ton of specifics on that. You know how to kind of just get over differences and unite. You know, with that person, how do you do that, actually? How do you actually, like, resolve conflict with people that are different than you? I want you to take a second and just think. How have you done that in the past? Or if you haven't, how can you do that? Is it showing up and still worshiping together, even though you have strong differences? Is it trying to learn from another person by asking non-condescending questions? Is it not being a negative person or attacking them about the difference that you have? How are you choosing to be one amidst difference? When my wife, Sydney, and I, she was the one singing up here. When, when we got married, we were made one. That's kind of like the picture of marriage. You're made one. And I thought we were the same. Like, we're totally the same. We're one. We're united. Yeah. Uniform. Yet after living with her for a few weeks after we got married... I realize we're pretty different. We're pretty different people. Sydney and I, we dated for a good year before we got engaged. Hung out every single day of that year, like all the time. And we asked, or I asked at least, all the hard questions. You know, the questions like, you want kids? Uh, how, how are we going to handle that? Like, value, what are your values? What, what's your picture on family? Like, how do you deal with your family? Faith. KFC or Chick-fil-A? Uh, that actually wasn't one of them. Uh, future purpose like what's your purpose like how do you handle conflict how do you deal with decision making dreams what's your expectations how do we, how are we going to communicate as a couple and we agreed on all of those things 
We agreed on all those. And then learned even more fun stuff, like as we're dating and figuring things out, like, and like seeing that we're pretty uniform. She likes the bike. I love biking. Yes. She likes kissing. Yes. She's competitive. Yes. I love this. She drinks nowhere near as much coffee as I do. Yes. Like we're on the same page. I get the rest of the pod. She's really into her family. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's cool. Lo- loves kids. Yes, me too. It was great. We are united is what I was thinking. But then once we got married and you live with each other, as in be with a person for more than four-hour stints, you really get to know each other, right? You really get to know. I was like, you mean you don't do the dishes right away? What? Like, what? What do you mean? Like, you, you leave your office that messy? Or... Your clothes go on the ground? Don't they need to go back on, like, the shelves? Or use a cutting board. Don't just cut it on the counter. Use a cutting board. Or, wait, what's that noise? Oh, really? Or, what do you mean not spicy? No, babe, wearing pants more than two days is wrong. you got to wash them in between there. Yes, I'm still in the bathroom. Or, how do you see this is not going to cost us a ton of money? Or, uh, like, what do you mean you want to paint it that color? Or, stop turning down the music. It's got to be loud. We realized real quick, we're not the same. We were without uniformity, but we unified on the big picture as one. Our lack of uniformity is a bit of a headache. It's work, hard work, to be honest with you. But our differences have enriched our unity and have had the opportunity to create something new and beautiful, something unique, something I think Jesus wants visible. Again, when you're united, something's visible of that. Boom. This is one thing visible. Eliza. This is just an excuse to show off my little daughter. But that was created in our differences. Boom. But this is just a silly example. But for real, our marriage, honestly, uh, I'm not trying to brag or anything, but I think our marriage is better than anyone else I know. Because we blend our differences, and honestly, why wouldn't I want to think that? Obviously, we're going to try everything we can to have it be the best or better than anybody else's. And it's because of our differences. We have more fun than anyone I know because of our unity, but also our differences enrich our experiences together. We do more unique adventures than anyone I know. My wife, she's, she's the cheap one. I'm the one that's like thinking of this unique idea, and we blend the two together. It, it's, it's something that makes our ama- life amazing. Sydney's all about, like, being in the moment. Like, let's, let's enrich this time. Like, let's think about it, reflect, listen, embrace it, sit in it. And I'm like, cool, all right, next thing. Let's go on. You know, but, like, we get both. We get to experience a lot, and we also get to enrich and be in that moment. We are united behind what we value, big picture stuff, but are very different people. I'll be even vulnerable enough to say... We have even duked it out politically, her and I, with each other, and have many times disagreed, yet are still united. Has it caused headaches? Absolutely. Has it been smooth sailing since the beginning? Not a chance. Would I change it? No way. No way. We are to be united, but we don't have to be uniform. Same goes within the church. We should be united on big picture things and okay with differences. Because we are all so different. Yet it creates something powerful when it's combined. How scripture talks about what the church should look like is, is like a body. Uh, do you know how amazing your body is? Just think of your body. Like you're like, oh, this is amazing, yeah. But let me give you some statistics. There's 78 organs in your body. There's tons of different body parts. There's 30 trillion cells in it. And so much that's happening every second. Your body is amazing. 
And this is how God wants us to think about us being united as a church. It's in 1 Corinthians 12, 2 is kind of where it starts. And it says this. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so the body is not made up of one part but of many now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not be for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole, one more section, body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If we were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body to a church. God has never wanted uniformity amongst us all. We wouldn't accomplish much if we were all uniform. The church would be dead. Our bodies would be dead if it was just one organ or one part. He wants diversity. He wants differences. He wants uniqueness. But ultimately, he wants unity. Now, as always here at Centerpoint, I want to try and get really practical with you, practical as possible, and think, how do we realistically do this? How do we become united when it seems it's so easy to separate? It's so easy to see the difference. It's so easy to find the conflict. It's so easy to find where we disagree, belief-wise or religious-wise or politically or policy or whatever it is. How do we become united when it seems impossible at times? Well, I think there's two main things that, that Scripture kind of alludes to. Because again, Jesus, he wasn't like very direct on, this is how exactly I want you to be, one. But the first thing I think that, Jesus, that we can do to become unified is prioritize what Jesus prioritized. What, what did Jesus prioritize? We can, someone asked him this direct question. It's, it's actually in Matthew. It says this. Teacher, what is the most important commandment in the law? Jesus answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. This is the first and most important commandment. The second most important commandment is like this one. And it is, love others as much as you love yourself. All the law of Moses and the books of the prophets are based on these two commandments. It's prioritize love. Prioritize love. That's how we can be unified. Prioritize love. All the Old Testament is basically based on these two commands is what he says. Love God, love others. Is that the case for you? Is that the case for you? For you to attempt to unify with others, are you doing that, prioritizing love? Or are you about law, rigidity, sameness, correctedness? I know this is hard to believe, but there are actually some Christian Bears fans. There are. It's crazy, I know, right? But although, although they just choose the wrong team or don't value winning as much at being three and six right now, I think they are, or are just awful fans. I mean, we got Santa and, you know, they got a bear. I, I don't know. There still can be unity with them when the priority is love. Now, I know I'm being silly, but just like with a Bears fan or a Packers or Seahawks or whatever, the unity is a love of football, right? That's the real unity behind it. And unity between two teams can happen through that lens. It's the same for us Christians. Unity can happen for Christians who disagree politically, socially, theologically. And when our unity is around the most important thing to God, love of God, 
and love others, we can be unified. We're all messy people. But Jesus says, first and foremost, love God and love others. Are you doing that? And are they doing that? And if so, find unity in that. Find unity in that because it shows Jesus to the world like we saw early on. For you, maybe that means still worshiping with a Bears fan. FYI, the drummer is a Bears fan here today, so you already did. So, awesome. Still be, but maybe for you, it's still being open to learning from someone in your life group who you know is politically different than you. Still being open to learn from them or listen to them. Maybe it's still showing up even though you know that, like, that person is totally, like, completely the opposite of you. But you still love Jesus. Maybe it's, it's still supporting or caring for that person, even though you, you completely disagree on some of the, the clearest things. How can you prioritize love with those you are not united with? The second thing that you can do, and the last thing we'll talk about today is, is expect differences in what follows after the priority. Expect it. Beliefs unite people, but if you get too many, it divides people. Beliefs unite people, but if you get too many, it divides people. I want to do one more game, and I promise this one won't get weird, or I won't make you say anything weird. But I want you just to raise your hand for a second, all right? So raise your hand if you think ice cream is delicious. Who believes ice cream is delicious? All right, we got to get some ice cream in here. Keep it up if you believe it's best with chocolate. Whoa, all right. How about now with mint, though, too? I want mint with that, chocolate and mint. That's, it's best, you believe it's best with mint, chocolate, and ice cream. Okay, now with peanut butter, too. I also want peanut butter in the mix. And I also want to just add some Skittles, too, just for fun. I believe that's best. That's the best. Because I believe that. I lost a lot of you, right? But I'm, I'm the Skittles. <laughs> we started strong, but we faded. Again, beliefs unite people, but if you get too many, they divide people. It's the same in the church world. Y'all see it these days, right? There's so many other churches out there. One pastor believes one thing, another believes in something completely different. Or one denomination does one thing, the other one does the complete opposite. One is set on one belief so strongly, and then all of a sudden it comes out and it's something totally different. Because once again, people come to different, or people have different opinions. People come to different conclusions because we're all so different. We have our own hermeneutic is what it's called in, in the church world or our own pack, or past background when we approach scripture. We have our own context of what we're living in currently, our current situation. And we're subjective to those things when we're trying to understand scripture and when we're trying to understand God. There's so many statements in the Bible and yes, we should want to follow them all. You don't have to like what the Bible says, but you should want to follow it if you're a follower of Jesus. But sometimes it's hard to exactly know, and sometimes people read Scripture and come to completely opposite views on it. God wants us to sit in it with others instead of divide in those moments. Paul, he's a big writer of the Bible. He teaches about this in Ephesians. He says in Ephesians 4, 1, 6, it says, uh, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. In this verse he says, 
be humble, patient, gentle. Keep every effort to keep unity through peace. So how do you do that? How do you do that? How do we do that as a church here? Our approach here at Centerpoint is thinking about beliefs like Target. Uh, you know, store where everyone wears a red shirt. No, not, not necessarily. Uh, but the concept of a target, looking at a target, there's, there's kind of three areas is kind of how we approach some of these stronger beliefs. Is there's three areas. There's in the center, in the core, there's beliefs that you would die for. Beliefs that you would say, like, this is so substantial to me. I would die for these beliefs. Then there's defend. I'm going to defend these. I'm going to fight for these beliefs. I'm going to fight for what I believe on these things. And then there's discuss. Now, as you look at different beliefs, they're going to have to be categorized in there. You're going to have to see them kind of differently. That's kind of our, our approach here. As a church, there are beliefs that we would die for, that you, you hear from me on stage here. Jesus lived and died for us. Those are, that's a belief we should die for. We are to love God. We are to love others. We need forgiveness and can get it from Jesus. Those are some of the beliefs that, like, we are not backing down on. And then, like, the defend area, things that we're going to defend against, the, de the Bible is an inspired word of God. We're going to defend that. All people are sinners and need God's forgiveness. We're going to defend that. Those who confess of their sins can be saved when they trust in Jesus. We're going to defend that. And then there are things that are up for discussion. As in, what did God mean when he said this verse? Like, how, how does God actually want me to live that out? Is that choice honorable or not? Like, is that okay or not? Is that sinful or not? There's things that are in discussion. We should prioritize unity in the die for and in the defense, but the discussion are things we are all figuring out together. Because again, Ephesians says, be humble, be patient, be gentle, keep every effort to keep the unity through peace. The things we talk about here on Sunday that you hear from stage are the die for and the defend. Those are the things you're going to hear from stage on Sundays. Die for and defend. The things in the discuss category is a wrestle that you have to do personally with God. One we still as a church want to help you tackle, but in relationship with you. Not just someone that shows up on Sunday. We want to do it in relationship with you through prompting you to seek your own calling that you received. That's something that Ephesians 4.1 talks about. It says this, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received by pushing you to do your own scripture reading your own calling, your own counseling to figure things out, your own life group discussions to understand God's calling for you. So for you, to, to seek unity, do you need to focus on the die for and not get divided on the beliefs that are in discussion, the low priority in Jesus' eyes? As we wrap up today, I hope you see that Jesus wants unity. He wants it quite badly for us. If you've embraced that, what do you need to do this week to seek unity over uniformity or division? For you, maybe it's simply partnering with Jesus for the first time. You want to be one with him for the first time. You, you've realized for the first time that God actually wants unity for the world. Maybe that's amazing to you. You're like, that's so exciting. If you want to be one with God and to be part of his unity plan, tell him that. Tell him that, and you could start a journey, and you could start a relationship with him, and you are on your way of being a Christian with him. But many of you have done that before. Many of you have said that, and you know you need to work on choosing unity better. You're pursuing unity. You, you want to figure out how to do that well. So for you, maybe it's, maybe you've realized, i got to start doing that because Jesus prayed for that for me. 
He wants unity for us. You want to be honorable to him, so you're going to try and fulfill that prayer for him. Maybe you want to choose it because Jesus says the world will know him through our choice to be unified. Maybe you want to choose unity instead of focusing on uniformity because it makes the church like a body function well. Differences make something complex work amazingly. What's your difference that you can add? Or for you, maybe, maybe this is a reminder that the greatest command from God is to love, love God and love others. You need to prioritize love over something you let fight or let something that like fight for more importance. Or lastly, maybe you need to just sit. Sit in a time when you disagree and not let a discussion-type belief divide you. For you, you need to be patient, to wait, to keep the peace and unity, and pursue your own calling. I'm going to pray that we choose unity so that, so that it's not something we can say we've never done. If you want to say that and pray with that, about that with me right now, you can pray uh, all together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for showing us how unity is so important to you. God, have us, have us know that uniformity is just not going to happen. It's, we're so different. God, I just pray, though, that we can be unified around you. We can understand the things that are important to you. And God, I just pray that uh, as we pursue unity with other people within the church, outside the church, I just pray that uh, you have us have the right approach to it an approach that's worthy to you, an approach that you, you've taught us how to do that. God, we just pray that you're with us this week as we do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.